not too early for it. It is not too early for coffee, but I didn't want to deal with the coffee machine right now. Oh. And I've got extra ones of these sitting oh, around. Oh, yeah. So I've got a drink. What is it's, that? It's a ghost energy drink. It's okay. zero sugar. This is the citrus flavor. They have other flavors that are a little bit more interesting. Like they have the... Do they do the Sour Patch Kids flavor? They have. The, I'm trying to remember what flavor is Sour Patch. I think it's it's the red Sour Patch. So I think it's raspberry. Red flavor. Yeah, they have red flavored Sour Patch Kids. Um, they also have Swedish Fish flavored. And there's another one that's a candy and I don't remember what it was. I, I feel like there's one that's a candy. I think it's candy. Pink Starburst. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Something like that. Starburst. That's a lie. There are lots anyway, of the star not the Starburst, the candy flavored ones taste exactly like candy so i can't finish them because it just feels like you're just drinking swedish fish and yeah. that gets to be a point where it's like i've had yeah. enough swedish fish huh can you ever so, have enough swedish fish no yeah turns out if you put it in liquid form and then drink it hold on but it's it's zero sugar so i feel like it's worth clarifying that it just yeah, sorry. So you're getting tired of the taste of Swedish fish. You're not like, wow, I've had way too much Swedish fish due to the sugar. You're just talking about the taste. Yeah, like at some point, I don't know if you guys have this thing, but where I like start eating candy, I usually stop because it's like, oh, I've had enough candy. That's enough candy flavor. Candy not- flavor. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I see what you mean. Um, what is the red flavor of Sour Patch Kids? Is that cherry? I, I want to no, say it's because- raspberry. It's not cherry because they, like, last week at the barbecue, my mom had those cherry flavored. There were specific cherry. They're like Sour Patch cherries. Like, they have Sour Patch watermelons. But it's not. And the Sour Patch peach. Yeah, and the Sour Patch peach. And I love the cherries. Ian was in agreement with me. For some reason, the cherries are just, like, really yummy. Um so yeah, I don't know what the red sour patch is, but I do like that it's, it's just, just called red. I've learned what it is. What is it? It's Strawberry? called red berry. Red. Oh, okay. <laughs> they. <laughs> that's kind of like worse than just saying it's red. Like that's the flavor. Yeah. Yeah. But. Anyway, I was <laughs> trying these just because they simply are an energy, a zero sugar energy drink, which is not my thing. But like, if I'm gonna get an energy drink. I, it's got to be your thing. I really only do the zero sugar ones because the other ones, I don't. I don't like drinking sugar so much. Wait, are you a creamer and coffee guy? Yeah, that's sugar, right? But I, that's like a little <laughs> bit of sugar. <laughs> wow. Okay. Like if wow. I were to drink a sixteen ounce can of creamer, regular full fat sugar energy content. drink, <laughs> it's like fifty grams. Like it's yeah, that's a lot. It's an insane amount of sugar. I was listening to a little little bit of sugar, like in tea and in coffee, like that's fine. I like a little bit of sugar, but once it can be like too much, like yeah, I was listening to was drinking Yeah, I was listening to a podcast with John Early, and he was he found out on the podcast that all the coconut water that he's drinking, like in bulk, has sugar in it, and he was (laughs) he was very sad. Unlucky. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you know you just don't know. Yeah. But um, the cat heard me open something, so he needs to investigate it. You don't, you don't like it? I actually didn't notice that we started recording this one. I figured I knew we, I knew we were at a certain point, but I don't know oh, when I, we started. So I noticed immediately. That's why I stopped and restarted what I was saying. It was yeah, nice. 
Matt tried to sneak it in and got to get no, it. No, I didn't try to sneak it in. I tried to get introduce it at a graceful moment. Yeah. <laughs> Without others noticing. What is Matt if not Grace? Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to episode 101. Technically, I guess it's 102, but it's episode 101 of Off the Crossbar. It is, yes. Real Salt Lake podcast. Hello. <laughs> I'm going to say the citrus ghost is not bad. I think well, I still like the tropical great. mango better. Is the okay. sorry is is like is it ghost as in like like that, to, that's just the brand name to like Red Bull essentially? It's like you're drinking a ghost. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Kind of sacrilege, if you ask me. Do you think it's better, or worse than C four? <laughs> Definitely better. <laughs> I hate that it's called that. Like, I, yeah. I always felt psycho when I would like. I I, I don't really. I don't know. I, I drink like I eat like protein bars and like I protein shakes or whatever, but I, I don't really use much like of that type of stuff like pre-workout or anything. But it felt like the fact that it's like bright blue and it's called C4. I was just like, yeah. I don't know. Like, do you remember when they made that energy drink called NOS and it was just like yeah. the nitrous oh, yeah. like NOS bottle, but it was a drink. Yeah. And it tasted like what I would expect liquefied nitrous oxide to taste like? I think like. so. And like also, do you oh, remember, also. do you, either of you remember the energy drink called Buku? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, Buku? Here's the thing about Buku. Sorry, that brings back no. memories because yeah. uh, there used to be a local band around here called Victim Effect. Okay. If anybody remembers them, they were a lot of fun and really great. And my buddy was a drummer. So we went to like all of their shows. They did a show at the music school or what used to be called the music school, yeah. American Fork. Mm-hmm. Um, and they at some point got sponsored by Buku Energy. Yeah. So in the parking lot, Buku Energy had one of their trucks just filled with like crates yeah. of Buku Energy, and they were just handing out cans of Buku yeah, Energy yeah. to whoever. And it was just a whole bunch of high school kids. Yes. And they, they didn't like limit it. It wasn't like, okay, you guys get one. Okay, you're done. It was like, isn't that okay, crazy? Keep going. Keep, yeah. It's funny that you had that same experience. I had a similar experience that I was going to mention, but like, um, I'm pretty sure I don't know if it like got if it was made like illegal at a certain point or like what the <laughs> deal was, but I'm pretty sure they put an age restriction on it at some point. Well, it and then it like was gone from shelves. No, but I think it was just so bad for you that it got <laughs> worse. Like it got banned from you in from shelves in Utah. And I can't remember. Also, I'm probably on the wrong setting on my mic. Oh, no. Sorry. No, I'm you, on the you right sound side. Great. OK, cool. Um, oh, yes, even. I just I forgot that I probably had it changed last time. Anyway, so I I was thinking about this because I was thinking about how bad. Oh, I unplugged my headphones. Sorry, uh, I can't hear. Uh, <laughs> while Kyle's plugging that in. Okay, sorry. Anyway, uh, wait, did you find the band situation for them, Matthew? I didn't know if you were uh, searching. No, but I did discover. This is going to bring everything full circle as we wrap up our Buku conversation. Wait, I, I still have to finish my story, but yes. Okay, so so uh, I'll I'll tell this piece and then you can finish okay. your story. And uh, Buku Energy Drink is from the same place as this Real Salt Lake Striker. This is our pod trivia moment. Current Striker? Well, I mean, yes, but Hawaii? Hawaii? <laughs> no. Venezuela, Venezuela? <laughs> me nope. and Trevor at the same time. Oh, uh, is it? Hold on, where's Demir from? Uh, nope. Croatia? Nope. Who's another striker? I can't believe you would forget about Rubio Rubin. 
Mm. Oh, is it from Oregon? It's from Beaverton, Oregon. Beaverton, that's right. I forget that we have Rubio being on this roster. He's been doing a lot. Um, so is Pablo Mascarini, I guess. That's right. So I I was thinking about how bad energy drinks, like, you know, for like a 12 or 13 year old to just be drinking like a lot of those. And I yeah. used to drink them and I I don't love that I did. But I, in any case, I at one point took like, I went to ski school up at Sundance, like when I was, when I switched from skiing to snowboarding. And so I was pretty, I was probably like 13. I don't want to say 12. That seems too young. But I mean, I can't remember. It was like somewhere in there. And similar thing to that, that concert you were talking about. So Buku was like, had like a sponsor day up there, up, up at Sundance. And you could just grab <laughs> free Buku like, over and over again. All of them, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I went to a couple of concerts where they had like energy drinks and water, like, yeah, given out so you didn't die. But those ones were like, you can take water, like whatever you need. But like for the energy drinks, it's like you get one, yeah. Like, and they're like watching and like keeping track. Like you've already had some, you're done. Yeah, you have to pay for anything mm-hmm. extra, like. But these guys were straight up like, oh, you're almost done with that one. We'll pour the rest out. Take another. Like, who cares? Like, yeah. And like we were, we would grab one at the bottom of the lift, drink it while going up the lift, hop off, ride down, grab another one, drink it on the lift, go up, <laughs> throw it away, ride down, drink another one. So insane. Like, you know how there's this perception of like what drug, how kids get addicted to drugs. Like there's these, like you know, people hiding drugs in Halloween candy or yeah. like, just like trying to parse out what the actual business model of getting children addicted to drugs looks like. And I, I don't know if like the thing is like, oh, we give drugs to kids because in the future it'll become paying customers of my mom and pop shop drug dealer situation I've got. I don't think that's real, but I will say I think the Buku business model was exactly what people feared the uh, drug yeah. dealing situation was, where they were literally of, just getting similarities, just giving children uh, like insane energy drinks that had just like crazy in- ingredients for like a twelve year old to handle. But yeah, um, uh, Trevor, do you want to split a sixteen pack of Buku? They still can sell can it. We st- can we still get it? They yeah, don't we can have still it get in- it. They don't have it in Utah. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. They also have a blog on their website. So Buku. that's so funny. I tried bringing, I brought Buku up the other day to someone and they had no idea what I was talking about. I don't. It's a beautiful thing. I remember it being like, I preferred it to Monster, but it tasted good. Yeah. Like that was the thing. I usually hate almost every energy drink flavor that I've ever tried. The only ones that I enjoy are like two of the Monster Zero Sugars and um buku and everything else i did not like any version of monster or rockstar red bull's all right in a oh pinch, my gosh but like every uh, everything else like just tasted like gasoline to me so i didn't like it at all listen but buku yeah. was really good listen to like this gasoline? <laughs> no not as a drink I just realized they have like a tribal tattoo background behind their yeah. logo. Yeah. But a little bit. They're on their about section on their website. It says, don't you hate it when something great just disappears? When it happened to Buku, some of the best tasting energy drinks ever, we called BS and decided to do something about it. Four years and countless miles of red tape later, in December 2013, we were successful with their I'm beloved brand. Lake. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the hands of the good guys. We wanted to give it a proper treatment. I... I'm very confused about um, 
why they were taken away. Like, I don't understand why they were banned, but anyway. I don't know either, but the copyright on this website says 2019. <laughs> yeah. means this is a new version of an old thing. Well, and the website's by Justin's Or web the design, website so. has just not been updated in several years. Yeah, I don't... It doesn't... Like, I see a bunch of stuff about them trying to get it back in stores, but I don't see why it was initially... Um, oh, you know what? I think I just found a Reddit post about, um, um, that's super reliable. Why does no one know? Why does no one say they've got a phone number on the website? Let's just call them. Ask why. Let's do it live. Hey Hey guys. We could do it live. You used to be a thing and now you're not. I'm so fascinated to know why. Boxes. Oh, (laughs) cat. Wait, sorry. (laughs) Caffeinated Four Loco will be off shelves across the country by December 2013. Back in 2010, Four Loco did go through a similar thing too, where like, I mean, Four Loco just seems like a right. But that was because Four Loco was like alcoholic. It's like alcoholic booze. Yeah, like it was like super alcoholic too. Yeah, I don't. It was not like 3.2 percent. Like it was really alcoholic. Oh wait. I think I found okay, so it says uh popular oh wait, this is more about alcohol again. Sorry. Anyway, I'll come next time prepared as to figuring out why I'll call okay. them and we'll figure out what's uh, going on. We'll give you some homework. But anyway, um that makes up for like a pretty short social hour because I don't didn't I had, haven't been doing too much, I guess. I uh, since we, since I've seen you last, I guess we had the game, but oh. since we recorded last on Friday, uh, last week, um, Matt, Ginny and I, and Colin, we got, we got Thai food for lunch. So that was lovely. I had a re- really lovely Friday afternoon, went to three cups, um, as well. Uh, we had lo- uh, lovely weather through the weekend. So I was very much enjoying that. Um, I had Thai food for dinner that night too. I'll have, you know, Matt. Oh. Um, picked up some food from Thai Delight, had a nice little family din over at our house. It was great. And then Saturday was pretty much just kind of chilling through the day until uh, the game started. Just did my normal routine and what a game it was. But I will say uh, one thing I did do since I've seen you all last is that I watched the movie Prey on Hulu, mm, which okay. is the prequel to the Predator franchise. Okay. Um, so really, it's just another installment in the Predator franchise. It like prequel. It's only called a prequel, I think, really because it's the earliest in. It takes place in like the 18th century, um, which is a really interesting. It takes place. So it's like it features an entirely Native American cast, actually, but it's about Native Americans in the 18th century, you know, dealing with the the Predator. So in 1719 in the Great Plains, um, it's filmed in Alberta. You can pretty clearly tell um but beautiful landscapes uh great scenery great uh situation for a predator movie if you ask me i i, I really enjoyed it um it's kind of some weird cgi in the beginning but um got got really good the predator weird like itself, that or weird like i thought tough you to know, sometimes when there's animal cgi i'm not i don't sometimes it just looks a little too fake for me like the cgi on the predator itself was really really good but it's also like you're not comparing it to like a real thing you know so when there's like a cgi like deer or something is it like a is it a deer there's like a oh yeah there's a deer she's chasing in the beginning um 
it's like uh, it just look you know, a little video video gamey looks a little video gamey for a minute okay. and it's all what's what's also weird is that this was released this d- isn't going to theaters and i think that's kind of a bummer because i think it would have been a really good theater movie um and it's strange that it, it, i don't know what's going on or why why it didn't but uh would have been a great theater movie still worth watching on hulu though i thought it was very good um if you're into that kind of thing, it was pretty, pretty violent. <laughs> so yeah. Other than that, um, it's Tuesday. We're chilling. Had just been working, going to the gym, went to the pool yesterday evening. It was great. So enjoying the last bits of summer, I suppose. Uh, Matt, what about you? What's going on? Yeah. So very similar to yours and that involved a lot of Thai food. Uh, I got Thai food. I went to Lana yesterday. I went on Ooh. Friday. Wait, what's the Monday menu looking like? I can't remember. I mean, it's got Masaman and yellow curry, which is mm. sort of the standby. <laughs> Pretty much Matt's order is fine every day. So so actually, I got uh, two different stir fries since I reintroduced soy sauce. Okay. And they're you, both... Wait, you've reintroduced soy sauce? Yeah. So, so I've... After doing, like, way too much research on, like, the gluten content of soy sauce... Uh, it's it's generally below the 20 parts per million to be gluten-free in the European Union. But in the U.S., it can't be called gluten-free if it involves wheat anywhere. Mm. So I you know did that research. I've slowly reintroduced it, and it's been great. No problem for me. So. Interesting. Um, that's good to know. I will also mention that there's a new sushi place. I think at, it's at Fashion Place, and they, by default, use gluten-free soy sauce. Oh, oh. Nice. Sorry. Also, I did. Did I mention I went to Via Three One Three Pizza and tried their gluten free crust deep dish? Or uh, I guess it's it's, it's just it's uh, Detroit style. So it's not the it's not that one uh, gluten free crust that you had that one place that was just a hunk of sausage. Um, it was actually really good. Yeah, Via Three One Three's gluten free crust was really good, and their I got dairy free cheese too, and it was very very good. So I had good a very unhealthy pizza lunch to myself somewhat recently but anyway okay sorry so you've oh. had soy sauce again that's 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 pretty cool I, yeah it's been great actually no concern for me um i know you have problems with soy yeah just in general uh, i try to avoid soy. So but not as beneficial for you but uh for me it's that's interesting game changing other than that uh i watched jenny and i watched all of spy x family or at least the first 12 episodes which is just a really fun modern anime about a spy and his found family, sort of. Uh, he marries a, a lady to keep up appearances and he adopts a child to like oh, complete mission. Yes. Tons of fun. I've uh, heard about this actually. It's really good. Um, Did you watch it on Crunchyroll? I watched it on Hulu. Okay. But it does look like it's on Crunchyroll. So okay, it's highly yes. recommended. Uh, yeah. I think that's about all I've done. Uh, Thai food and, and anime. I did uh, Saturday morning. I did go to some very strange estate sales with Ian and Veronica, uh, which <laughs> they were some of the strangest estate sales I've been to. Uh, one was in this house next to a trailer park, which is fine. Uh, but the house was, it was basically like a large warehouse floor on the bottom and then a house situation on top. Uh, and the house had like <laughs> doorways between bedrooms, like one that was carved out, like a, a 
well, I don't know the word for it, but like a little hobbit door. I'm for children, I'm sure, but into like the main bedroom. Yeah. And uh, sounds- I do have a photo of Ian crawling through that. So I'm going to post that in Slack now uh, while Trevor gives his update. This, this does sound like a converted warehouse. Like yeah. somebody had a warehouse and they were like, oh, you know what we could do is just put some beds in these rooms and yeah. some walls and we have a house. It is that basically what it like is? That. Yeah. Okay. Basically. All right. So that photo will come through. There you go. And uh, I, <laughs> I yield my time to travel. You'll do hilariously tiny. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, and Ian is tall and broad shouldered and some say, yeah. Oh, geez. That's like a Stuart little door. Yeah. I like it's his like bigger jewelry. than that, but yeah, that's yeah. just, that's funny. So there you go. There's, there's what I've got. Nice. Trevor, what's, what's going on? Um, hold on. Sorry. I, I can't. Okay. I got to close that before I lose a whole lot of time. Um, really not much work has been, um, an experience the last several days. Um, we were working outdoors installing cameras um and the places where we were indoors how little of it there was was like not air conditioned at all whatsoever so thursday friday and monday i was just working in like the most exhausting hot conditions that i've worked in in a long time so accordingly my weekend was very much about sitting and not doing much and combine that with still having not beat horizon forbidden west on the new playstation (laughs) That's pretty much all I've been doing is playing video nice. games. So not much to speak of there, to be Things honest. Love to see. Yeah. Yeah. Although uh, I did want to I did want to ask real quick, Matt, at the beginning, yeah. I talked about the band and I thought you said you were looking them up and you couldn't find anything on the band. Just want to go back to that. Is that true? Oh, did I hear you right? No. No, I, I didn't hear you. Right. An energy drink. What's the band? Victim effect. Victim effect. All right. I thought I heard you say, "Yeah, I couldn't find anything on the Victim band." Victim effect slash Buku Energy. <laughs> no. Oh yeah, here we go. You I, won't see anything on Buku Energy, but there is something on the band. Yeah, I thought I heard you say you couldn't find anything, but they're definitely still. Yeah, I found them online on FM. So that's they don't exist anymore, but they're a lot of yeah. fun. So if anybody that's, wants to, that's probably okay. Trip, take a trip down memory lane utah bands circa 2008 through 2010 ish give or take no idea they're a lot of fun you should do it i did fail to mention that i've been in a perennial battle with uh an insurance company (laughs) over that eye surgery i had oh yeah um and man do we need to call up aarp and get it taken care of i wish this was that's my eye insurance which is not apparently what it's covering it's it's Mm. I the fact that this is all delineated is so stupid, but like uh eye insurance didn't cut it's not like an eye insurance surgery, it's a health insurance surgery. Mm, right. Eye insurance just covers the uh glasses and contacts. But um yeah, it's so annoying. <laughs> it's so annoying that the whole business model is to just try to avoid paying anything. And like so I had that detached retina in January and like select health so i was in between jobs like i had i actually started my new job i had my insurance hadn't kicked in yet it started in february and like i got i got told it toward the end of january that i had needed to have emergency eye surgery and uh select health i was on like a temporary plan to bridge that gap which was it was like a good deal it was like i don't know like 40 bucks a month i don't know 
just for that that one month and i was like oh this is probably worth it because i was like i don't know if i get like covid and get really sick or something like i don't know seems like it would be a good thing just in case um good thing i got well i thought it was a good thing i got that ended up i don't know what's going on but um essentially <laughs> they've been like trying so hard to avoid paying for that surgery despite the fact that they pre-approved it and they've been grasping at like literally everything to try to avoid paying for it like saying that like having celiac is like a pre-existing condition <laughs> that like makes it so they, they don't have to cover and all this dumb stuff. It's so insane. Oh man, that's ridiculous. So uh, that's pretty cool. So I highly recommend people uh, don't deal with insurance companies, which is just a, as a general rule, like yeah, but for you have profit to. insurance companies aren't as customer oriented as we yeah, would like to Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Against all odds, it's pretty surprising. So <laughs> That's been another thing I've been doing and I prepared like a whole packet of information today because now I'm now I'm having to like they've reviewed my appeals and everything and they're like, oh, yeah, no, this is our final decision. But you can you can uh, protest this at the Utah insurance like division or something and they apparently can make them pay for it if they deem so they now I have to go through like an independent review process <laughs> that you would passed off to the arbitration group yeah where they're essentially somebody that's not at select health can apparently force them to cover it if they deem so so that's good that seems like a really good way to <laughs> deal with healthcare in this country yeah you know what's crazy Especially also like is emergency that- surgery healthcare that's great I know. And you know, what's crazy is like, meanwhile, I have like Intermountain Healthcare sending me a bill like every month saying like, oh, it's past due. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's because I'm not paying it. <laughs> we're, we're aware. <laughs> yeah. And it's not gonna, I'm not paying that ever. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. But it's just a fun little thing that I thought I'd mention because, oh, and shout out to my mom. So like I uh, always shout out to my mom, but she's yeah, also helping. She's uh she works for the retina clinic that uh where the doctor did the surgery or who did the surgery. Um and they've been like she's been trying a bunch of stuff on their end to try to get get them to pay and they just won't. So uh, it's pretty pretty cool. So hopefully uh someone at the U if you know anyone at the UID, tell them to hit me up, hit my line. And make them pay. The Utah insurance. <laughs> Honestly. Arbitration uh, group. Yeah. I think at this point, I don't really care. Because I like, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, that's I'm not. Anyway. But yeah. Like, I'm just kind of annoyed that this is like, s- supposedly. <laughs> this is this is something that's worth defending, I guess. Yeah. But anyway. Pretty cool. What's What, what else? I well, looked at the weather and it looks like we got a lot of lightning for the next week which is cool oh it's supposed yeah. to it's supposed to cool down that's good who oh, was looking at that wait. with envy over the past week because you're working wait. outside yeah uh matt i did want to ask you um yeah. with the state sales do you run into a lot of golf clubs uh i have never run into golf clubs but i don't care about golf do you clubs. see them so if you want to go with me like well, i'd I, love to check out some in the thing. provo Orem area i would that would be a lot of fun yeah. But what's on my mind right now at yard sales slash garage sales slash estate sales is golf clubs. I broke my driver and oh, how are I you need supposed to get around if you don't have a driver? <laughs> Thank you for laughing. You're welcome. <laughs> I need I need a, a new driver. I've got two drivers, but they both uh, are like 90 years old. So I don't want to keep using them because they yeah. stink. Yeah. 
All but right. I do want to. I do. I don't want to buy a new one, like because a new one is like a couple hundred bucks, and that seems like something I don't want to do. <laughs> I'd much rather just go to a yard sale where I've sourced all of my clubs forever. So nice. That's a good way to do it. I think it's like not, but like it works. <laughs> if you don't care about like quality equipment, I you don't. just need like. I don't mean that. I mean like if you don't care about like having everything match all the time which some people are like really like serious about having like the same yeah, set of course. irons and the same set of drivers and woods and like having all that match and be the same like style and type yeah. and like then it matters. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I play I soccer with two different brands of cleats, one on each foot, you know? Oh, do yeah. you? No, no, oh, but that'd be pretty no cool. I mean, if you had like slightly different size feet or something or, I could see it. I, you would think I would just. Well, yeah, that's a good question. I I could try. I could yeah, see how that goes. Yeah, I just need the RSL show to do another soccer day. But. Yeah, that'd be great. I'll actually see, try that's to come the to only same. way yes. to get you to play soccer. Pretty it's much, only, it's the only avenue through which soccer is available to you. The RSL <laughs> show pick up <laughs> games. <laughs> yep. And it was on the nice fields, dude. It was so fun because the grass was so good, and yeah. I. You know, sometimes when I'm playing soccer and like it's on a rough field and, you know, my touch isn't so great on such a rough field. Sometimes I'm like, man, would I be considerably better on like a really good field? I don't know. Uh, And I felt like I was a lot better on that field, to be honest. So Hmm. it's just you don't get to play on really nice grass very often. Yeah, that's true. You kind of like, you know, it it takes kind of a lot for me to be motivated to go skiing or snowboarding these days. Like the snow's got to be really good. <laughs> kind of like that. Like if I'm going to put in all the effort, got to have some good conditions, you know? Yeah. That's fair. I, so. that's fair. I get it. All right. Should we get into news and rumors? Let's talk news. Oh, hey, tell you what. Let me real quick uh, open the up dock. the dock. Yeah, I can see you're not in it. <laughs> I can also see that Kyle's not in it. But I'm also, yeah, it's just on my iPad. So it was oh, my iPad was lost. The Slack. So let me reopen it. Wow. Move this to a new window so I don't accidentally close Zencaster. All right. I'm All ready. Right. All right. Good. Uh, are you sitting down? Because we've got a blockbuster first item. Oh, we do have a blockbuster first item. And uh, I'm going to save a comment until we're done with news and rumors. Yeah. Because I have a comment on the news and rumors. But go ahead. Let's go to the first blockbuster item. Uh, Brett Halsey has been created to co- or not created, uh, loaned. Some, whoever wrote this document put the wrong thing there. Uh, to Colorado Springs. No, hang on. You got to say that whole thing all over again. Why? Yep. Why? I got a reaction and it doesn't work unless you say the whole thing. Oh, Brad Halsey has been loaned to Colorado Springs switchbacks. Who? <laughs> nice. Brad Halsey. Cool. Oh, our draft pick from three years ago that's never seen the field for RSL? Well, last year, actually. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. He played, he played against Chelsea for a moment, yeah. I think. World beater. Yeah, that counts. Uh, generation Adidas player doesn't take up any, you know, salary budget. Oh yeah, that's right. He's Generation so, Adidas. That's I why. We, that's why we kept him around. That's cool. Yeah, but he had been he'd been injured for a long time. Uh, so hopefully this yes. gets him on a good path. And Not, what league does the switchbacks play in? Uh, USL Pro. What league is the Northern Colorado Hailstorm in? The uh, two USL below league that. Two. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, USL Championship, not USL Pro, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's Championship, then League One, then League Two, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. So they just, just like copied England. the England? Yeah. They copied God, the you, England? I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean that's think, basically. I don't think they would appreciate you pointing that out, but yeah, yeah. All right, USA, so yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. Uh, next item. So these next few come from a Pablo Mastroeni interview today. Uh, friend oh. of the pod, Alex Maurer, tweeted them out, uh, and none of them are. Oh my goodness! I haven't yeah. even read these yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the first is that uh, Danny Masovsky is out for about three weeks from now. <laughs> Uh, Which we like, knew he was injured when we signed him. We we knew. Knew it was about three weeks, but it was about three weeks last week when we signed him. Yeah. Yeah. But about so, three weeks, like that's been it, rolling around Pablo's head for the last two weeks. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll see when he plays. Uh, don't expect him in the next three games, though. Oh, boy. <laughs> And, and then this, he's got to fit into the squad after that, I'm sure. So, oh, uh, and he's got to he's got to gain fitness, and he's got to yeah, gain confidence. Got to gain confidence, and then he's got to you know. We're not going to see him this season, is what I'm saying. You really don't think so? I think we'll see him. I'm joking, in, uh, of course. I think maybe he starts a game in October. No, I'll, I'll, <laughs> honestly, I'll bet he starts a couple of games, and I'll bet he gets substitute minutes for sure. Because, like, yeah. We need somebody to get substitute minutes for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, yeah, lots of thoughts there, but we'll get there. Uh, yeah, we'll all right. There. So next up is that uh, Brian Oviedo. It's about three to four weeks out uh, <laughs> from, I don't know, visa stuff, I guess. Um, oh, man. And then Sorry. this next item is gold. I've got to recalibrate my brain with these signings. Because I forgot that this team doesn't care about this season, and these are not signings for this season. Sure. These are very clearly signings for next season and beyond. So the yeah, fact they, that they're definitely just next season because they're not. No one signed beyond next season. No, but which is great. <laughs> That's another awesome thing to point out. But like, <laughs> these are not impact signings. Like, I think we're over that. We've we've accepted that this team is not trying to improve this roster for this season. Yeah. These are just early off-season acquisitions. So, yeah. I think that's <laughs> the only way I can approach these three signings and be like, they make sense. Because otherwise, we signed an injured guy, we signed another injured guy that's not going to play for a while, and then we got a child that's also probably not going to challenge for a starting position anytime soon. I think in Oviedo, it's, I think, and I could be wrong. I think I don't it's think just he's injured, right? stuff. Yeah. He just has Whatever a, he's it is. Only we're not, like not going to see these guys. Games. They're not going to make an impact on the season. We're going to get to the last seven games of the season before these guys are going to like see the field. Yeah. Perfect time for our second Western Conference final run two years consecutive. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. They could make an impact because our roster's not that great as it is. And Oviedo is probably better than whoever we have at left back, whoever we could put up at left back. But you like, know what's funny is, well, I, I'll we'll bring get there, some thoughts I'm not, about I'm not left stoked back. about these signings. Um, well, so you're not stoked, but <laughs> you're going to be stoked after this next item. Oh, I'm, I'm ready for this next item because I heard it and I already, never mind, go ahead. Uh, so Pablo Mascarini uh, talking about Oviedo in the interview today, press conference, um, had this quote about Oviedo. <laughs> he's robust on the screen. He's talking about Zoom calls here. Yeah, he's, he's really only on seen screen. him on the screen. <laughs> he's got strong arms. <laughs> so, so he's analyzing his like physical characteristics <laughs> through Zoom calls. I mean, I've definitely thought that about people. Uh, I mean, that I've worked with. 
that oh my you know, we goodness. all started working from home and it was clear that some of them were working out. And I thought the same thing. Uh, he's robust on the screen. He's got strong <laughs> arms. Uh, this Which, is a little like, more directly applicable to their jobs, I guess. But can't get too mad at Pablo because, like, no, I'm not mad. That's whatever. Awesome. But that's it's just the most Pablo thing to say <laughs> in an interview. That's ever. just funny, right? Just like analyzing the guy already. <laughs> oh yeah, he's got he's got strong arms. Yeah, that's literally all he's seen of him apparently. Yeah, you can't say he's got strong legs. He hasn't seen him yet. <laughs> yeah, you don't see legs on a Zoom call. Well, if you say show legs, that is so <laughs> that is so funny. That's just like, why did he mention that on the radio? <laughs> you know, Pablo Whatever, is man. not good at like speaking to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's worth remembering that, right? Like, we we've been up in arms multiple times it will be up in arms again i'm sure about something pablo says and uh, i i'll try to remind myself that uh it's nice to have something funny come yeah. out of pablo's mouth rather <laughs> yes. than like something that's a lie or something that's like covering up or something that's throwing somebody under the bus or you know or an inconsistent yeah. story about david ochoa yeah it, yeah of this all the things that could better. come out of pablo's mouth funny stuff let's celebrate it yeah because it doesn't happen that often um, this is good stuff. Speaking of funny stuff, let's talk. Let's let's talk about Saturday. Oh, so we're moving on to the RSL versus LAFC section, and we're done with news and rumors. Wait, sorry. What, uh, the other guy we signed. What's what's his deal? Do we know a timeline on him? No, he didn't talk about him. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So we played LAFC on Saturday. Uh, Taco truck wasn't there. Um, look, I'll just say this. We haven't won. We've won like two games since like the end of May. And the taco truck has probably been there one or two times um, in that stretch. So listen, man, I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying there's causation here, but there's certainly some correlation that I think we should look into. And, uh, you know, I think that's a little tip for the people at the club. Maybe listening to this, huh? Let's figure <laughs> that situation out, because I'm telling you. There's the something taco, going on there. The taco truck situation is tied to the on the field situation. I mean, look, I had been present for like every home win. Like, you know, things really I felt I felt a really stark difference at that Columbus game uh, where the taco truck wasn't there. And then like things have just been, of course, really poor since then. But uh, any in any case, that's something that needs to be figured out. But we did play LAFC. I uh, had fun with you gentlemen and our friends in the tailgate lot before. Yeah, that was lovely. And then Trevor and I were on press box duty for this one. However, I did take a little journey around the stadium and my goodness, what a packed house it was. Uh, I, I mean, I, I could just say that like, I was pretty clearly more people than I've ever seen in that stadium, uh, but it was definitively also. Um, and the South End was just completely packed. Uh, a lot of, I think this comes into play later in the game, but a lot of just like non-supporter section people in the South End getting. Re- and I, 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 I'd seen some people complaining about people complaining about people standing. That was kind of confusing. But there have been people in the South End who've been mad about people standing. But you're in the supporter section. Um, people will just buy cheap tickets and then sit and then be like, "Wow, people are standing in the way." 
That's like the whole point of that whole uh, area. And I was hearing a bunch of that myself where a bunch of people were standing in between the lower and upper parts. And then some people were standing on like the stairs. And I heard people in the seats being like very upset about people standing. And I was like, okay, the game hasn't started one, but then two, it's like, um, come on. There's like nowhere for people to go right now and you should be standing anyway. So there's that. Um, but yeah, it was packed. Matt, could you feel it where you were? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially at halftime. Uh, one of my many halftime rituals of which I have one really, uh, is using the bathroom because it's a good time. You gotta. Sorry. What I mean is it's a good time to do that. Not that like going to the bathroom is a good time. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Um, Just, clear that up so i went right up at halftime and i got through the line as the game or no before the after the game kicked off for the second half so i again just the most packed i've seen that place and that was a an interesting indication of that and definitely not the usual crowd right yeah it was a is a very strange crowd in fact I had some people talking to me when I was in the South and I was just taking some pictures, um, walking around and there was, (laughs) there were, I was talking to these guys. One was wearing a Chelsea Jersey. One was wearing a Manchester United Jersey. And I was just making fun of both of them for wearing that, (laughs) which they both, they they thought it was, it was pretty funny, but I was, I was making fun of them one because I don't like either of those teams at all. Um, and then Manchester United, I was just talking to him about how I felt bad for him for being a Manchester United fan because it's a hilarious time to be. A United fan, but also uh, that just like showing up to an RSL game wearing those jerseys. I was like, you're not even like, like, is the, I, I asked him, I was like, is the correlation that like Gareth Bale is playing tonight? Like, is that like the, yes. they're like, well, I just don't go to a lot of games. Like, and I was like, you should just not wear, <laughs> not wear those. I was like saying a lot of things in a joking way, but being serious. I was like, well, yeah, you guys shouldn't like, what, what are you doing in a Manchester United jersey here? Like, I know Gareth Bale played in the Premier League, but it's like, come on. Can I interject really quick and just yes. like express my opinion? We've had this conversation with like Dustin as well in the parking lot, and he got like super heated about it. About people wearing them? Yeah, because he thought it was just like um, really poser activity. Um, <laughs> and like he didn't use that word. That's my word. But mm-hmm. um, he, the way he said it was like people are going to wear like Chelsea shirts or whoever. He was talking about a guy wearing a Mason Mount jersey and he was yeah. like this guy's wearing a chelsea shirt to show that like he's above mls or like he's more intellectual than us lowly mls fans because like he wants people to ask him about his shirt so that he could talk about epl being better mm, than ML or something okay. like that and we had the conversation um andy and sarah were there as well and we were talking about how like that's a normal thing to wear other teams shirts like to to different games yeah like it's pretty common in the nba it's super common in baseball and other sports like you just wear a baseball jersey or a basketball jersey and like if you're there to support the jazz you wear a jazz jersey if you're going to a jazz game but if you're a jazz fan living in new york and you go to a knicks game like you can wear a jazz jersey even if they're playing somebody else yeah i feel like in soccer specifically that's a thing that people get mad at when you're wearing a jersey from another team Mm -hmm. but when you compare it to like american sports fan dumb in general it's pretty normal yeah you You just wear like a soccer shirt to a soccer match and i i I don't have any problem with it this is my soccer shirt that i wear to soccer games yeah no i i get that and like 
it doesn't make me I don't I'm not passionate as passionate about it as Dustin, but I think that he is onto something a little bit with like and I don't know if people are making the conscious decision to be like, you know, I'm showing that I like purposely don't yeah, care I, about MLS. I don't maybe there are some people that do that. I I don't know. But um like some of these guys these guys kind of just seem like norm like the this is my soccer shirt I wear to soccer games type yeah. of guys. Yeah, yeah. Um and I, you know, I get that. I do think there's a little bit of a difference with MLS versus global soccer that like that differentiates between like the relationship that like other NBA teams would have with each other. And also, you know, like people wearing like, you know, minor league basketball or baseball jerseys to like a major league game. I think that's I kind of I like that. Oh, in fact, you did that um, sort of with like the goals. But that's yeah. like that was relevant to the bees. Um, yeah, so throw like th- that's kind of that feels like different to me. But there is something with like MLS and its relationship to you know obviously bigger and more successful and more talented leagues. Yeah, these mega clubs, right? Yeah, where there is yeah. like a, probably a little bit of like, oh, I don't want to associate myself with like MLS. Like I don't care about MLS, but I'm just here, you know, and I'm wearing a Premier League jersey. I think I think I think I don't know how conscious that is, but it does probably like that that kind of like casual fan behavior might account like that might account for some of that. I feel like to be honest, like I think it's not even that complicated why people do that. I think it's just that most people, if they're going to buy a soccer jersey, they buy one or two because they're like a hundred something dollars. Yeah, and like unless you buy them directly from China or Thailand or whatever. But like people (laughs) like people like (laughs) us and people who go to a lot of RSL games and have been season ticket holders for a while. I don't know about you guys, but I've got several different RSL shirts and I've spent hundreds of dollars on RSL shirts and like, that's fine, but I'm not every single fan that way. Like, totally. I know a lot of guys who go to one or two games a year at the stadium and they just wear whatever Jersey they have because like, that's their soccer Jersey. Sure. Yeah, but there's also the you're spending, you're spending a lot of money dollars. on a soccer Jersey when like, you know, I have friends that go to like one or two RSL games per year and they wear like a suit, like a $5 RSL t-shirt, sure. <laughs> you know, which like feels like, right, but if, if you you're have... purposely kind of not participating in what's taking place there, you know, when you do that, like you're kind of, you kind of are pulling yourself out of it a little bit more rather than just spending like five, 10 bucks on like a super cheap RSL shirt. You know, if you're going sure. to like one or two games a year and you've spent hundreds plus dollars on like a Manchester United Jersey, which is embarrassing for like a ton of different reasons. (laughs) But if you've done that, like it kind of seems like, I don't know, you could just, if you're planning on going to like one or two RSL games and you want to like passively show support, I mean like you don't, again, you don't have to wear something RSL, but like if you make the effort to like wear the soccer Jersey thing, it does kind of feel, I, I get where Dustin's coming from, but I, again, I don't think it's that conscious or like that. I I don't think it is a deal. Like I said, I know people that I've brought to games. They're like soccer fans. They enjoy soccer. But like I've got a buddy from Argentina that he just wears a Boca Juniors jersey because sure. that's his that's the jersey that he has. Sure. Yeah. He, like he has one soccer jersey and it's going to be Boca Juniors. And he if he's going to a soccer game. He's going to wear his soccer jersey and he's not going to go spend one hundred dollars on an RSL jersey yeah. or $20 on an RSL shirt specifically sure. to go to one game if he like comes across an RSL shirt. Like he's not opposed to RSL shirts or merchandise or anything like that. It's just, he got a ticket to a game. So he's going to wear his soccer shirt. And that's yeah. in this case, it's a Boca juniors Jersey from 20 years ago. Like that's, I mean, there's you know a distinction I mean? here, right? Like 
it's a difference between like, I, I guess if you saw someone wearing a Lakers jersey to a jazz game, it would be very different than someone wearing a Timberwolves jersey. Yeah, right? there, yeah. There, you're right. That There is like, especially with that kind of thing or like Golden State Warriors, like when you yeah. see someone, there's like, an, you know, jazz are playing the Houston Rockets and you see some kids in Golden State Warriors jerseys, you're like, what are we really doing here? Like yeah. you, you kind of feel like there's like somebody making a point there, like a little bit, like, Oh, I don't I, I like so, jazz but, is dumb. But I, I also just think that that's just like an American sports thing. Yeah. It's like people just wear whatever Jersey they get to game. Like it's just, like I said, if you go to a bees game, you'll see 15 different major and minor league team jerseys and hats all over the place like people just wear baseball I like, stuff i like the obscure game. jersey move right oh, like yeah. i i will say like one time one time i wore a oh, it was a game i was in the press box and i wore a palestine <laughs> jersey oh, yeah. to that game like they're like you know and i and i will like i i sometimes i think the nba one is a good example this is a funny thing to have a long discussion about because i but i think it is interesting like the psychology behind like what people choose to wear to a game well, I, I think like the about psychology behind like like you said bringing up the golden state warrior kid that goes to the yeah. ju- like i like the psychology of like you're judging him for, yeah because like, like there's psychology there too like the kid totally might have just been gifted a warrior's jersey and doesn't have any idea like that's I, possible i only care if it's adults so i i when i play <laughs> junior guy, jazz it is, like it yeah, might like, just be a guy who just has a warriors jersey and doesn't care be, yeah. like so it's i like that we're assigning all these like motives to people that we, we have no idea like that's it's another so part of this so that is a when, lot I, of fun when, I, when i play junior jazz uh like you know if you play junior jazz as a kid you get like you know like there's a game where you're you and your team like go to a jazz game or whatever yeah there was a kid i grew up playing basketball with um and he like was essentially like too cool to like the jazz right Sure. Um, and I remember like some of that kind of, you know, bled off on me a little bit and it was easy when the jazz were really bad, <laughs> but yeah. like, um, when, when I was younger and like, I remember being out, I went to a game with him and he, uh, like my, like my favorite player in the NBA growing up didn't play for the jazz. It was Tracy McGrady and he played for other teams. And this friend of mine, his favorite player was Vince Carter. And I remember, we went to this game together because we play on the same junior jazz team. And when like he went to this game, he wore a Vince Carter <laughs> Jersey to like, it was the jazz playing the Dallas Mavericks. And my friend was wearing like a Toronto Vince Carter Jersey to like, and as a kid, he was like, I mean, we were probably like maybe 12. He was like trying to like make a point that like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And I remember Roger, I remember dif- like this super specifically. And like, this definitely isn't like, this is just a funny anecdote. I don't think this speaks for, in like the plurality even of people but i remember rajah bell played for the jazz at this point and he did something like a, he had like a, this incredible game and he had he kept hitting threes he like dunked on someone it was like this whole thing and like he got like multiple standing ovations and this friend that i was with in this like raptors jersey was just like sitting down like folding his arms refusing to clap for like a jazz <laughs> play. and i was like i, I was like dude so i was like I mean, if you were like in a Mavericks jersey, people would be like, okay. But it's like this random dude in a in a Toronto Raptors jersey, a team that couldn't be like less of a rival to the Utah Jazz, at the, especially at that point. And he's just like refusing to like be happy. He's just like, things. no, I don't I enjoy was, basketball or basketball things. And yeah, I was yeah. like, dude, <laughs> none of this is fun like, for me. I was like, and, and we, we both like grew up here. So I was like, and he, so he was making a point to be like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't support the Jazz. So but I yeah. Think- I think we can t- like tie this back into the game in an interesting way because it did feel 
like a less RSL partisan crowd than usual, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, it definitely was. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I so we ran into some people we know after the game who were telling us that they're big LAFC fans. Um, and Jenny asked, you know, how long have you been an LAFC fan? And he said, well, since Gareth Bale signed. <laughs> you know, and he was there to watch LAFC and Gareth weeks, Bale, man. and he was talking about how great the game was. And, like, I'm glad that person had a good time. Yeah. Um, although, like, I was clearly stewing. Uh, so it felt a little, you know, like, yeah, you don't have to rub it in my face. I, it, I know it took me. Bad. Yeah, it took me a little while. It took me longer than it usually does for me to get over this game as far yeah. as, like, I had to, I had to re- like get home and like think about some stuff. And I was like, okay, I, I'm like over it. But yeah, that, that would have immediately after that game, that probably would have like made me mad. <laughs> and, yeah. and there's something interesting here, right? Where yeah. there was a lot of talk after the game and it wasn't one or two people. This was a, like a, a common opinion to run a, run across on Twitter that, you know, RSL just ran against the better team. Yeah. And they had no chance and we don't need to worry about the loss. And those things tie together really neatly where, where it's this feeling of like the crowd wasn't, you know, there were a lot of LAFC fans there. Yeah. And, and it, I don't know, Trevor, I, you have some feelings. Yeah. I, can, I can hear about them. that Twitter feeling specifically, or like about you, the number of people at the game that were there. Yeah. Well, so anytime we play, either LA team. And this is one of my things about Utah and Utah fans, because it it happens with uh, the Lakers as well. Um, Which is why I think LA teams are a great rivalry is just because they always sell well and people always show up for Lakers games and they always show up for LAFC and they always show up for LA. And part of that is that they have Gareth Bale and Zlatan Ibrahimovic and David Beckham. And, you know, they just have this history of, Carlos Vela and Chicharito as well. Like they have this history of just having the biggest and best players and like huge names. So you get people who don't usually go to RSL games showing up and those people are just there to watch good soccer. Yeah. Like it's not even LAFC fans. Like you're saying, like it's like a lot of casual people show up for these that normal that otherwise wouldn't. Yeah. It's a lot of people that just want to see Gareth Bale or just want to see Thierry Henry. Like when he played here with the Red Bulls, we sold a lot of tickets because Mm -hmm. they're big names. And like, I don't have any problem with people coming to games to watch that. And totally. that's, that's yeah. fine. Every like be a fan, however you want to be a fan. It's that's fine. I do have some opinions on people after the game being like, uh, it's, it's okay that we lost this game because like the problem is that like, you're right. LAFC clearly is a better team and they clearly have better players. And like, we were probably always going to lose that game. Yeah. Yeah. But on the other hand, this is a team that for a long time, a lot of people, these same people on Twitter who are like, it's okay that we lost because they're a better team have been the people that have been like, we're the best team in the league. Like we should be winning the game. And it's just like, based on the opponent is how you react to the game. And like, we've been bad for a while and we were bad in this game. It wasn't that we just went up against a better team. We've been losing to teams that are lower in the standings than us. We've been losing to teams that are worse than us, like on paper and in the standings. And then we didn't just lose to LAFC. We got embarrassed by LAFC. Yeah. And Gareth Bale goes and scores that goal. And guess what goal is going to be on the end of your highlights? Oh, it's on everything. It's on Snapchat. It's on Instagram. It's it's, on like. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. We got embarrassed that game. 
Yeah. And I don't like that people are I, – I get it because there's part of it that's like, well, it's an embarrassing game. It's a one-off. It's an outlier. We can't focus too but much on it. It's not really, but even if that was, like, that's not an excuse to just be like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It like, in a vacuum, it's not the worst loss in the world. But like yeah. you're saying, like – the the context makes it worse, but yeah, it was it was an embarrassing. This was the result. games like that everybody turned on Mike Petke for because Mike Petke would lose games five nothing, six nothing, or whatever, huge, and people would be like, "That's not acceptable. That's embarrassing. You can't be the coach of a team and say whether you win by one or you win by four, it doesn't matter because you lose a lot of games four one or four nothing with that attitude because you're trying to sure. score goals and you just make your defense worse. And like that's what got a lot of people turned on Mike Petke was that kind of attitude. And now that we're seeing these results here, we're getting embarrassed and being embarrassed by the best team in the league, by the worst team in the league, you're getting embarrassed. Yeah. That's not, home. it's not acceptable. And it's completely appropriate for fans to go on Twitter, or go on whatever and be mad, not at anything in particular, not at anything specific, but just being mad online about your team losing or your team getting embarrassed is a completely appropriate response to that. And having people be like, Hey guys, calm down. Like it's LAFC. Like that doesn't smooth anything over. That doesn't make it okay that it's the best team in the league or that they've spent all that money because that just brings up like, we're not spending money. Yeah. We, We could spend that money, but we're not spending. We could try to get those players on the team. We're just not. And like, that just makes it that much worse that like, we're a bad team and we're getting embarrassed like that. It doesn't make it better that like that's our lot in life is to be the bad team that gets embarrassed by the much better teams. Right. Like that sucks. Yeah. That's going to make people mad. Been, especially for it to have been like, uh, you know, Christian Aranjo to be the guy who scores a brace, you know, in, in this game, a, yeah, a player like, that we had been, quote, looking at. Shout out Alex Maurer for, for getting asking. Pablo to like say that at the end of the game. Yes, like, dude, that was crazy. Loved it. <laughs> That was I love so that good. Pablo like would not go any further on that. I, I mean, what more? Yeah, there's there was something interesting there in that yeah. answer. But like, yeah. I mean, Matt brought this up like uh, after the game. So I mean, I, I guess we can talk about the game that we we got scored on really early through um, a really weird uh, set piece mistake where Justin Miram, you know, defensively, the, our defensive organization was very confusing. The ball essentially was going to go out of bounds. Justin Miram didn't know that it was going to go out of bounds. Instead, tries to sort of clear the ball, but he ends up just playing a pass directly at the the penalty spot. Real shades of Portland 2021. Bit of a scramble, and then Aranjo play like has this incredible backheel flick to the (laughs) to the side netting, and it was just just super clinical and just anyway. Um, You know, a few minutes later, we get a really nice goal from uh, from Sergio Cordova, but I. this is something I want to mention as well, where the left back situation is interesting because uh, I don't know, like people, I mean, people saw how we scored that goal. Uh, there's something that Andrew Brody affords us going forward that is really unique. And he has a unique ability to just dribble toward the goal, which seems to be something that everyone else on this roster is afraid of. And I mentioned this to Trevor. There's that walkie video where he, after a uh, men's national team game against, I can't remember, it might have been Jamaica. He had that full video of just uh, Eunice Musa dribbling at the goal and good things happening because of that. 
And I was like, I told that Trevor, I was like, this is the exact same thing where Brody's just like dribbling at the goal and good things happen because of that. And it's, he's not wasting time on the wings, like getting ready to do a few cutbacks, play across to the back post to no one. He's cutting inside, dribbling toward the goal, playing the ball, drawing defenders toward himself. In this case, he had four defenders that he pulled out of position right at him. Played the ball to Sergio Cordova, who had an easy turn and then a really nice finish at the top of the box. We didn't do that almost ever again this game. <laughs> well, Brody, exactly. Brody certainly tried. Besides Brody. Yeah. Again, like he did it again in the second half going the opposite direction. I was like, why is he the only one that does this? And so when we think about and like he's he, there's a reason he's more effective than Aaron Herrera offensively this year. Aaron Herrera has no one to cross to. As much as we can pretend like we have aerial threats, we have guys that might occasionally get on the end of a header. Tall guy. But right now, it's sir, it's Brody is much better offensively because he's direct and he goes at the he goes at the goal. So any other chance we had this game, uh, we had uh, one or two moments through Brody that I thought were uh, were really good. Um, I think he's a, a liability defensively a lot of times. I don't know if it's because he's so one footed that he likes cutting inside. So he gets a better angle with his right foot. That might be it, but he's really good at that. So um, I think we should do more of that. I think we should dribble the ball toward the goal. I think that's, I don't know if that's crazy to say. We're in trouble if any team ever figures out to scout that. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be brutal. And then, you know, the rest of this game was, was pretty rough immediately. Like soon after that, Jasper Loffelsund, who had an incredible, like the worst, the worst half of his RSL career so far, I think, um, as, as a starter, he, he, he turned it around in the second half, which was good, but he was a mess in the first half, poor touches. Um, there was this weird spinning, bouncing ball that just went over his head and he almost kind of gave up a penalty by trying, kind of almost swatting it, uh, falls to Kellen Acosta who buries a really nice shot. Um, and Another then player that RSL could have had. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and, and one of those players that like that, that that's the type of MLS player that I just wish we signed. Um, speak like even like meme players like Jossie Zardes, like that's just, sometimes you just give some money on like a proven MLS goal scorer, even if they're not world-class. Um, Jossie Zardes anyway. scored a hat trick this weekend. Oh. Yep. Uh, he did. And, um, and then in the second half, RSL had a chance to, uh, to tie to tie the game and, um, uh, well, they didn't have a chance, but Pablo Ruiz made a chance out of like a 35 yard shot that hits the crossbar. And I've started, you know, kind of yelling, why does nothing good ever happen to us? And then they immediately <laughs> score on us on the other end through just like Aaron Herrera getting turned and then our center back uh, and left back, I, uh, I guess. And at that point was Marcelo Silva and Andrew Brody. I, I can't remember which one of them it appeared. They both just kind of didn't communicate, lost their dangerous number nine in the box. And he buries like the easiest goal. I think one of the easiest goals he scored. And then of course, uh, that's just kind of where things went off the rails and Gareth Bale ended up embarrassing. Um, both Paulo Ruiz and Justin Glad considerably, which is when we really noticed how many not RSL fans and not even LAFC fans, quite honestly, because as far as away a traveling away LAFC fans goes, this wasn't the most I've seen from them by any measure. Like there were a couple of times when I've been in 35 with you guys where they took up so much of that top thing where I was like, whoa. Um, they definitely had the most had traveling fans, fans totally. like, that I think we've had for any team this year. Yeah, I like expected on like more away section that. dressed in black and gold. Like totally. No, yeah, they were very loud, very present. Agreed. Shout yeah, out to them. 
they, they they do travel hard. I just it was interesting because I based on like the game and like uh you know the new players etc. I was expecting to, there to be more, but it, I think that just speaks to how many like kind of not neutral but just casual you know EPL Gareth Bale fans were were in the crowd. It was it was pretty interesting. So Gareth Bale does Gareth Bale stuff, and I I don't really have much to say beyond that. But I will say, Matt, you <sighs> talked about after the game, like I mean. Of course, there is like the uh, and the point that Dunny made on the broadcast as well. From what I understand, I didn't hear it, but I saw people talking about it. That like this is we played a team that has better that is is better than us, and on our best day, we probably still don't beat this team. Yeah, um, and that's and that's a fact that has its own set of like problems and solutions that needs to be dealt with. But aside from that, like we just you know we had players make really stupid silly mistakes like um that just we didn't seem up for the moment at all like the first goal completely preventable if justin miram so clears the ball second goal clear the ball right well, it's not even, the ball. yeah like a lot of people blame Justin miram for that but my blame which like fair i'm not gonna argue over exactly yeah, he, blame, he but played a, a big role in that but not the should, only role what should be pointed out is like that ball should be going out, not because Justin Miram knows to let it go out, but because two other guys should be totally. shouting at him, leave it, let it go. like let it yeah. go. And whether he ignored that or not, I, I have no idea if that yeah. was happening, no, no but like, that's an, that's an easy Agreed. thing that should also be happening. So it's not, I don't know. I just, I hesitate to blame a winger for a defensive mistake because yeah. like he doesn't play defense and we know the point that is less about like, I feel like, I mean, there were these individual mistakes, but like we, we didn't, we weren't up for the moment. Like, no, we I mean, at all, that's Lawson sure. was clearly shook in the first half. Like yeah. that was, and then for our, for a mistake like that, for a roundhouse second goal, uh, just such a, such a boneheaded mistake to let him get that free. And then for Justin Glad and Pablo Ruiz to not being unable to just pull Gareth Bale down yeah. outside the box, take a yellow card. And like, the, of course, this is also a game in which we saw uh, Chiellini make <laughs> make all the, <laughs> the pages greatest. where he there was a ball that was that was going over the top of Chiellini to Rubio Rubin, who was going to be in behind Chiellini, but not. There was still another defender behind the hand. A good, what, 15 yards? Behind yeah. Him? And he was like Chiellini clearly behind him. Chiellini jumped up in the air and just two hands spikes the ball at the ground. And this, um, there, there were a couple of we- responses. I saw a bunch of people claiming this should have been a red card. It, it shouldn't it have wasn't. been. It was the equivalent of just someone dragging someone down by their t-shirt on a, on a breakaway. It was an, a tactical foul, but I will also say I saw a lot of responses. Um, so I, I wasn't sympathetic to anyone claiming this should have been a red card. People were talking about how egregious it was. And I was like, Chiellini has been doing this forever. He's yeah insane like this but people were upset about the league's response to this essentially promoting like you know using it for clicks which which you got to expect like it's a funny thing to happen like it doesn't matter who it's it's great because it's chiellini that does it yeah noted legendary italian defender that came over recently like it's great that it's him but if lalas abubakar does it the league's gonna make a big deal about it because it's just a funny thing to happen in yeah. a game, it's just bonus points that it's Chiellini and like you're going to get clicks overseas for it. Yeah, it was really but funny. It's, to be the referee here, like there's nothing in the laws of the game that would allow a referee to give a red card for that. Yeah, like there, there's no rule that he broke that the pen, the punishment is red card or even like consider a red card in these circumstances like it's not it's it's a tactical foul. It's a yellow straight up like, yeah, I the think people, people that, like you can't, dogs, all right. 
Yeah. You people... can argue dog so, but like I said this on Twitter, like you have to have a wild imagination to consider that denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity the way that like the the laws the the parts of the law that it says like what to consider in the event yeah. of like to which, consider which it distance from goal it includes distance there only goal. being one defender which is the keeper and then in this case there were two so yeah there were two he was in our half of the field it wasn't even the defensive half yeah. when the foul occurred so like you, you have to have a wild imagination and you have to get really really creative to call that an obvious goal scoring opportunity it just it wasn't there was still so many other factors that like kept it from being that so like fair play like if you're mad at Chiellini for it like be mad about it but like sure. by the rules you can't give a red card for that like it was so funny like don't be mad can't. about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, that's the other part of it like it's it was, just funny. It funny some things can just be funny and you don't have to get mad about it yeah, yeah. the ball was gonna go to <laughs> ball was gonna go to Cordova anyway like Rubio Rubin relax actually. was it Rubin uh, I thought it was Cordova that was right behind yeah him. so in this game was another weird one where we started it was Rubin because he was laughing about it too. And like there was a, like a. I just remember Cordova was the one who immediately like put his hand up and started really yelling at the ref for a handball. But yeah, I think it was Rubin. But anyway, anyway I, I will also say that um, this was another weird game where we, where we started two forwards and one of them was Anderson Julio, I think. And our, we, we, this is a team that is not good with two forwards who don't, who aren't like ball dominant players. So. Yeah. Rubio Rubin and Sergio Cordova have never looked good together. Not a single time. We started that. We started them together in that disastrous match in Austin, where it was one of the worst ones we've played this season. And then with Anderson Julio, he just kind of like runs around and we don't like he he it, it just doesn't work. And I don't know if it's Cordova because we there were some times uh, last last season where we played Anderson Julio and Rubio Rubin together toward the beginning of the season. In which Anderson Julio scored a brace, I believe, off of maybe two Rubin assists or one. It was that first game of the season yeah. against uh, the Loons, but um, it was it was it didn't work. Like whatever we had going on, like it, it doesn't make sense to me for us to be playing a two striker uh, formation if one of them just kind of like runs around and doesn't really do anything. Anderson Julio had a header that uh, you know he almost got on frame. It was a pretty dangerous moment, but that was about it and then yeah. when we subbed him out it was a like for like where we just had ruby rubin go in and do the same thing and like it's completely it just feels so thoughtless to just go have him run around out there when our it's it appears most of our game plan is uh hope sava does something good or cross the ball in or on the rare opportunities where andrew brody can do the andrew brody things um which I think we should do more of, but I will say that it's just, I, I don't, I don't, I still don't understand the idea. I, I get the, you know, the idea of the, the four, four, two buck empty bucket. I like the Loffelson Pablo Ruiz midfield for the most part, All right. but I don't understand, you know, why not maybe move into a four, two, three, one. And we get Diego Luna on the field instead where he's a much more ball dominant player. He asks for the ball. He's good on the ball. Do you mean you'd and, rather see that than 12 minutes of him? I mean, it's it's really like there's no he's not doing less than Anderson, what Anderson Julio did in 60 minutes. And I don't necessarily think it's the fault of Anderson Julio. Like, that's just the type of player he is. Yeah, he's not going to be one to get like get involved in the buildup play as much and like, you know, turn and pass off the ball. Like he's not a hold up striker. He's a get in behind. But like we're not playing that way. It's very confusing. We've seen Anderson Julio be successful with his team and score a lot of goals. And most of his goals come from one or two situations. And we're not creating those situations for him 
they're not early game situations that come up either. Like they're like games yeah. where the the where the game is stretched and yeah. both teams are looking for a goal and there's more space in behind defenses. And that's never the case early in games. And that's why he's never succeeded really um, as as um, as a starter, except for that first game of the season last year in Minnesota, where the loons were incredibly stretched because they were desperately going for goals because they were at first opening game of the season uh, and they were playing very high up at the field. And so there was a lot of space in between, but like a better organized, uh, a more effectively organized d- defense like LAFC, for example, isn't leaving a lot of space in behind. And so well, where is he going to go? Yeah. That's the other thing that like Tom Hackett pointed it out kind of early. Um, LAFC was playing kind of a high line with their defense. We could have pressured that. We could have put balls over the top to Julio to have him chase, but we didn't do that. Right. Yeah. There's the other thing is we just aren't. That's not like, the way that, that we're playing. Yeah. We, and putting we play Anderson that one Julio in, quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Putting Anderson Julio in, like you said, it makes sense. And he can be a good player and he can score goals. But like it's situational, just like with every striker forward, like you need to play to their strengths. And we just don't play to anybody's strengths when we put Anderson Julio and Cordova or Rubio Rubin and Cordova. And that's not yeah. like dogging on Cordova because he's in every situation. It's just like we don't play to Rubio's strengths and we don't play to Julio's strengths when we're having them on the field. So yeah. like, it's, what's the it's, point? it's really, really frustrating to see us keep trying to bring Cordova into it, to keep trying the same thing and getting the same results. And those results are bad. And we go back to the drawing board and say, let's just try it again. Yeah. And like we could, I mean, I'd rather have have Chang on the, like get another midfielder instead, because I mean, even if LAFC was playing a high line, we're we're conceding a two man midfield to to their midfield and they play a three man back line. So they're essentially moving another player into the midfield. Yeah. Um, And, and like, I mean, it it shows like they just have a much, they had a much stronger midfield than we did. And like with Jasper having a rough game and Pablo Ruiz not doing it a ton. I thought in the first half, he didn't have a particularly good or bad game. I thought no one had a great game. Um, like, you know, uh, if, if we're conceding the midfield, um, and we have this extra striker who's doing nothing, uh, why not get another mid, uh, another midfielder on there to help balance that a bit? Like put Michael Chang on there again. We, we, I mean, we, how many times do we see Julio be so much more effective as a sub? It doesn't make any sense to, but we've got him on there in 12 minutes, right? Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, is this, is this a part of the podcast where you point out that for like four games in a row now, Pablo, not Pablo Ruiz, Pablo Mastroeni has put out three players in two sub windows and both of them have come like in the last 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. Yeah. This game in particular, we went down three to one and then he waited 20 minutes to make his next substitution, which yeah. was Diego Luna and uh, Rubin, I think. Uh, yeah. Was it? No, Chang. Uh, Sorry. Chang, Chang. Yeah. Diego Luna and Chang, two offensive minded substitutions. He's making that 20 minutes after we went down 3-1, giving yeah. them a grand total of 12 minutes of game time well, technically, to try Trevor, to make a difference. It was only 19 minutes. so You're right. And uh, it was I only couple- 11 minutes of game time. But still, yeah. like, if you're going to make that substitution, what's stopping you from making that immediately after we go down 3-1? Yeah. yeah. Especially when things were just like they, we, they, they weren't working, clearly. And like... I, and when Julio came off for Rubin, it was it was like more of the same. And I, Trevor and I were laughing about this tweet that we saw from about Sergio Cordova. I can't remember who tweeted it, so sorry. I'm, I'm but it was like it. it was like he we has the 
yeah he uh sergio cordova has i did the dishes yesterday uh energy <laughs> and like that 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 started to be how it felt after he, he so he scores and then we actually had another really good moment that came from not across but like a nice pass to Sergio Cordova at the penalty spot. And he played a brilliant like back heel assist Sabrino who was kind of back post and he was an unable to score. And this was in the first half. And that happens, right? And you can accept not scoring. Yeah, in those situations, totally. but And then from there, it felt like Sergio Cordova was so disengaged from this game. Uh, there were a few funny moments. Like, I mean, on their second goal, when uh, I think, Sir, or maybe it was the first goal, when he was just like laying down when they scored. That was that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but there was one moment I, I noticed a few. Like, the, like there was that one that came through the middle where Justin Miram held onto the ball for quite, I would argue, as being too long. He comes through the middle and then eventually decides to play a through pass into Sergio Cordova, who had already essentially decided that Miram wasn't going to be playing him the ball. And then the ball just rolls out of bounds for a goal kick. And Sergio was in behind. The ball was misplayed uh, too late. It was just a, a great example of just being completely not on the same page. And um, seemingly disengaged from the game. Yeah. And I think that was a combination of, you know, Cordova, I think just sometimes, I mean, there was this moment where there was a recycled ball uh, and Cordova had made like an aerial attempt maybe at a ball. All I know is he ended up on the ground and it took him a solid like 15 to 20 seconds to just stand up. He wasn't like saying I'm injured or anything. He just was like rolling around and just like kind of like meandering and he was in an offside position and the the ball was going to be recycled here pretty soon. And the team kind of had to play around the position he was in because he was sitting in an offside position yeah. like when the ball was trying to be recycled. And I was like, yeah, what are was, you doing? There was a moment when I think it was Herrera had the ball on the right and Cordova is just like sauntering back to get yeah. back on side. And you could see Herrera like look up, realize that he's offside, not be able to make the cross and then have to beat his guy again. To create more space yeah. and then look up again and Cordova's still just like not on side again. And so then he just had to, instead of putting a cross in, he just had to play it around and like recycle it again. And yeah. you can clearly see there was like two moments where he could have put a cross in, but Cordova is straight walking yeah. back to get on side and LA is just keeping him offside. And like, yeah, th- that was a moment. There were several other moments, like you said, where it was just like, guy you got to move a little faster like yeah sometimes yeah. you got to make a little bit of an effort yep it's so, it was very very frustrating <laughs> couple stats uh, here the yeah. auth- the author of that tweet by the way uh oh, was yeah. vm loveless cool was, yeah that was a funny tweet we laughed about it during the game because i was like <laughs> that's exactly what it seems like he's like oh i scored i like did some things a, a few times early and like that my job is done and like you guys can deal with this yeah, yeah. i was like dude the game is still happening around you you can't just like and like, Check you out. know, you're actively, you, he just looks so checked out. I'm like, you scored a great goal. Like you would like the whole, like, oh, he just needs to score and get going. And then it's going to be better. It's almost like it does the opposite for a little while. He's like, okay, I score now. I'm just like, it's your, 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 all of your turns to figure I think it I know out. what it is. What? So that, that play that he did really well. And I think a lot of plays where he does really well, the ball is played directly to his feet. Yep. And when the ball is played for a run. It's very, very rarely successful. Yeah. But if it's played to his feet, he has like, he might do something with it. And I'm Which, really confused by that. Yeah. Which uh, Because fine. he clearly can make good runs. Yeah. And yeah. does sometimes. 
but, but only sometimes. <laughs> to go back to the Anderson Julio point, like if that's how he needs to play to succeed, like we need to be doing that. Yeah. Forget yeah. trying to get him to make a run in behind. Just get the ball to his feet then. If and that's, let him turn and shoot. Like if he has that's a, what he, has he can do, if that's his skill set, do that. Stop yeah. making runs because clearly that it doesn't work. Yeah. And stop like, playing crosses forever. The crosses, it's like if, if there's an open player for a cross, you can do that. But it, like he's not going to be the guy where he's just constantly winning balls out of the air. Like Demir Krylock just happens. Like there's such a distinct difference between who we have up front uh, right now than like when Demir is playing. And that makes some sense sometimes when Demir can get on the other end of those. And he has a way of I mean, he's taller, but he's just he's good in the air. And like we don't have that right now. And like you're saying, Matt, like. Sergio Cordova can do he can do some things when the ball's at his feet, but we like how rare is it? It's it's just way too rare for him to to actually be in those positions. And again, it's Andrew Brody doing really well and getting the like it's it's our left back who's who's taking the ball directly toward like the center of the field, top of the box, and uh you know, giving us a new angle of our attack. And we don't see that enough. And uh, too often we're just looking for these just crosses to no one over and over. So this reminds me of the the Matt. I'll remember this for sure. The oh, Saborio, yeah. the guy that hated Saborio for oh, years. Oh yeah, and yep. his whole argument was like not anything to do with like how many goals Saborio scored. Was just like how he scored goals. He was mad that <laughs> Saborio would like score goals from inside the six yard box or he only scored easy goals and, and he never scored from outside the 18 or anything like that. And it's like, yeah, dude, he's good at one thing. So we're just going to keep doing that one thing. Yeah. We're yeah. going to aim our game in a way that supports one of our best players. Yeah, and I'm and, not saying Cordova is one of our best players. But, if but if the point is, Saborio scored goals yeah. from like one or two or three situations, and we just kept creating that situation for yeah. Saborio, and he kept scoring goals. Why are we seeing situations where Anderson Julio is scoring goals, or Rubio Rubina is scoring goals, or Sergio Cordova scores goals, and we're not recreating that situation for him? Yeah. Like, yeah, we're just trying to do... on not doing that, right? We're, we just keep trying to score and create goals for Demir Krylock, who hasn't yeah. played all year. Like, figure it um, out. We won't. Um, okay, a couple, couple stats here. Uh, first is our fourth least pressing game of the year. Uh, third least, six, or yeah, third least successful pressing game of the year in terms of count of successful presses. So we clearly did not play a pressing game uh, well below our, our average of 133 attempts at 97 uh just not not our focus <laughs> right for whatever reason yeah um, uh fbrf has some great views where you can see like the amount of successful presses in a game and it doesn't always correspond like a high amount does not mean that you're going to win and a low amount does not mean you're going to lose certainly but it shows a team that doesn't have a strong identity um, and I think it's important that we talk about a couple of things Pablo Mastroeni said before we get too far afield. Sure. Um, and this is the one that really sent me. He said, I don't think the result reflected the performance. I think they were killers in front of goal and they made us pay for it. But the overarching run of play, I thought we did a really good job attacking, creating good opportunities, exposing the wide areas. He goes on. 
And then defensively, minimizing a team that is prolific and finds ways to easily get to the final third and create opportunities. For the most part, we did a really good job of that. He keeps going here. It's hard to say when that it's hard to say that when the result is so skewed. But again, two one, we had a chance in front of goal. We had a couple chances. Goals change games, change momentum, and tonight we couldn't find that second goal. And it just It so, certainly so, is hard to say all those things after that game, Pablo. I agree. Like <laughs> you, you look at the chances LAFC had, and there were a lot of chances that didn't end directly in a shot. There were a number of like hopeful crosses that Carlos Vela was inches away from getting on the end of yeah, and scoring like a world-class goal, right? There were like opportunity after opportunity. And the focus was never on mitigating those opportunities. It was instead like, I mean, clearly we made substantial mistakes and we make substantial mistakes. That's part of who we are as a team. Yeah. Uh, we are a mistake-ridden team. And it's... I mean, obviously we're going to lose a game against LAFC when we aren't clean on set pieces. Two of those goals came from set pieces. Like yeah. one was, was the free kick that led directly to it. Uh, the first with the first goal. And then was it the uh, third goal that was a throw in and our half that we didn't it, defend properly? It, I think it was, was, it was, no, the, the, third goal was the was a kind of soft giveaway in the midfield that turned right. into it was the Sovereigno gave it he had a bad pass and then it and then Aaron Herrera so it was the second it was the Kellen Acosta goal that was that was like from like a yeah so Ruiz, yeah. Ruiz and Sovereigno tried that one too that same one too that Ruiz and Luna tried at like Atlanta ago it was the way in Atlanta yeah. yeah yeah so oh yeah it's, the second was the quick throw in and then Levelson is caught out completely and then good nice goal. It's it's very funny to hear Pablo say we mitigated their chances when like we gave them two of their goals. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what I don't understand. It's <laughs> like that doesn't make sense at all based on the goals. Like it's not like they, they had eight shots on target. Yeah, and eight. four of them went in. <laughs> yeah, and, like that's the thing, is like they were eight, all super high percentage shots, except for Kellen Acosta's, which I was probably a low percentage. Eight but. shots on goal is not like I mean, when you look at the numbers, like they're pretty maybe on the high side of average, I think, um, for a number of shots that they took. Because I think they had 14 shots in the game, which, I mean, that's not an insane amount. No. Eight of them were on target, which is also not an insane amount. And let me grab but, that number. They generally take 14.9 uh, shots. So, so what, did, what did we mitigate? Yeah. We didn't mitigate anything, which is which is frustrating because there are times when we play games where we actually do a really good job at actually mitigating what he's saying. Like we they're yeah. like, you know, we we talked about how McMath has, you know, so many. I don't know if he's still leading the league in saves or whatever, but it wasn't a full condemnation of our defense because it seems like the chances, the majority of the chances that we were giving up weren't great chances. And there were a lot of times like we, we've really praised our defense and our defensive midfielders because we've been giving up not good chances and if you don't give up a good chance and your keeper still makes a like an easy save on it that's a that's a good thing but this wasn't that at all like the chances they had were not difficult chances that they made uh you know just incredible yeah, they were moments out of superstar like, superhero plays like two of the goals were inside the six <laughs> so yeah. yeah i what was the other thing he said he said um the the First thing we're just going to dismiss the performance 
didn't match the result. <laughs> like it did. The performance for sure matched the result. So yeah. moving on. But yeah, he said that um oh, the part where he was like at two one, we almost had a goal, we were creating chances, and we were still in the game. The chance that he's talking about is Paulo Ruiz just having a hit from thirty five yards because nothing's working. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. and he hit he, the crossbar, but it wasn't a he chance. hit the crossbar, which like <laughs> good for him but like that wasn't from a sustained like there there wasn't a period where we had like three or four shots all in a row like from good like yeah. good spots on the field like paulo was just trying stuff because nothing was really working like we had a couple of yeah. good moments a couple of half decent looks at goal throughout the game but like we weren't creating chances throughout the game at least not anything out of the ordinary i would say like like i said we we weren't excelling at creating chances just like we weren't excelling at mitigating their chances like it's it's a thing for a coach to say that in games where we did that <laughs> stuff but we didn't do that stuff <laughs> everything that he said like just wasn't a reflection of the game yeah yeah and it's this, I mean, this is why it's frustrating right yeah because it feels like there's a disconnect between what happened in the reality game and the way the game is perceived yeah and i think it's obviously we talked about it at the the start of this segment it's fine to be upset about a 4-1 loss at home and probably good like it it shows that you expect the team to do better yeah and i expected rsl to do better i'm not sure i should have i did pull some numbers uh in the form guide which formguide.tools.football if you're curious i feel like we should because (laughs) like this whole maybe i should put ads on there yeah, I won't do you that. should monetize this. Yeah. The whole season, like we've been told, what a good home team we are, and like we we've, we've been great at home for the most part. We've been pretty good. Yeah, haven't lost any games before today. So like going uh, into the game, the Dallas game, and then oh, this that's one. right. Yeah, so yeah, we're, we're not in a good run of form lately. <laughs> no, but like all season, we we've been from our last ten games. We've been yeah. pretty good at home, yeah. and so like you kind of expect something at home. But yeah, like you can be mad about this game. Yeah. It's okay to demand your team try to be a good team instead of being okay that your team is not trying to be a good team and is in fact being extremely mediocre. Like, um, do you want to know how many teams have more points over that since uh, <laughs> June first than RSL? How all many teams? Twenty three. That's almost all of them. There are twenty eight teams. So twenty fourth. Also, it does sometimes feel like there's people feel like they have to like defend the club's honor during like it, it when when people are frustrated or angry about a result. It seems like there's kind of like this thing where it's like you're not allowed to be mad and like you're saying Trevor, like you absolutely should be have some standards. But I will also mention there's people at the club who uh, are happy that people that fans are focusing on uh, results from games and not other things that we've had to re- focus on as fans over the last few years. Yes. So um, there's no need to go endlessly to bat for the club uh, over stuff over like being upset with like the current state of like the roster, for instance, like it's it's not that big of a deal. But also, um, I mean, I, I thought this game, it, it's kind of funny that huh, it's not funny, but it's it, I'm, this game played out in the way that I think is interesting based on the conversations we had last Thursday about just kind of the state of the club. And like, I think the way this all culminated with, you know, the transfer window closing, comparing what LAFC were doing to what also, did we mention that LAFC signed like a $5 million striker? Did that happen Thursday at some point? I can't remember <laughs> if we, we mentioned that on pod. Yeah. Like Who a, did they uh, sign? Up in, uh, they signed that guy from Kid, right? 
Saint Etienne. Oh, um, oh okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So they, that's that's on top of the roster that they just popped out there on on Thursday. Is that so they, the guy that scored like 15 goals and nine assists in France last year, or something like that? He's like the guy that's numbers, looking very prime to come here and be very, very good. So um, that's just maybe something to keep in mind, I guess. But um, it's just this this was just like a really difficult and stark reminder of uh the current state of things uh as far as the roster goes and like you know obviously people were really upset there was a lot of a lot of feelings um (laughs) on twitter after that game and i and i get it and there were uh i again it's it's good to be frustrated and upset and that's what drives I mean, it's that's an important part of being a fan is like letting the team know that they're not meeting expectations, I think. Um, and it's important to have those expectations. Um, but I wanted to read like we had talked a little bit about just kind of I mean, it's clearly these signings that we had as transfer window aren't long term signings. The deals that we've signed players to aside from Saverino, who's on a three year deal, which isn't super long term. Not for a player um, you spent significant money to bring back. No, uh, I think. Yeah, so that's 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 pretty interesting, um, and I think it's notable that these all are short-term deals. Now, that's not a coincidence, um, and it's clear we didn't splash on any big signings like we were kind of hoping to. But um, we were kind of told we we probably would. Yeah, um, and uh, you know we had we had kind of talked about like there's a, there's a range of conspiratorial thinking here, <laughs> but I think that there's something that is pretty apparent. And I think that this reflects in the signings and I think it just kind of might reflect in like the general strategy toward this team at the moment. And I, and I've been thinking about this a lot recently and Matt Doyle in his uh, grading of transfer windows of all MLS teams, he gave us a loss, which it was just a win or loss. I think it was pass fail. All right. kind of pass fail. So, um, kind of cheated a little bit on that one, Matt. Doyle. Yeah. He, he said when we, we were surprised when the new owners didn't make any big DP moves during the winter window, we were absolutely shocked. They didn't make any during the summer. I guess the idea is to be sure of the team you've got and the direction you want to go in before getting tied down to any long-term big money deals. I think there's value in that, but I don't ba- blame the fan base for grumbling. Talked a little bit about the signings as, after that, but I think that's really important where he says uh, to be sure of the team you've got and the direction you want to go in. And I it doesn't like I, I, I personally don't know <laughs> uh, what our strategy is uh, short term game to game. I don't know, but especially long term, I don't know who we're trying to be or the strategy we we're trying to plan. We've been assured that like, you know, the guys coming back from injury will feel like new signings. Like, so that's something. So at least some strategy appears to be wait till Demir is back, which I don't know how much of a reassurance that is depend uh, seeing as the type of injury he had, but just like, I don't know that I, we've talked about how we, I, I don't personally feel like Pablo is the man for the future. And that's not, I'm not making personal comments about Pablo because of how weird he is in interviews or whatever, but he like is weird, but he is weird, but he fits the same forward. pattern, the same pattern that we've had for every coach since Jason Christ left. They've hired the guy that's there and not necessarily the guy for the long term. And Pablo came at the very tail end of hopefully of, of that being like the strategy that we follow. But I, again, like I don't, I think things would be different if we had missed the playoffs last year. Like we were very, very, very close to. 
And then I don't know, it does kind of feel like, you know, these signings, they do reflect a certain short term strategy uh, as being like, you know, we're just going to wait things out until we know we have a long term goal. And um, I don't know, like we, we talked about this on on Thursday with Sarah and she compared it to like what the jazz are doing and being honest with like where you're at as a as a team and like a, as a franchise. Um, like they brought in a coach for the long term and they're offloading pieces that don't fit with a long term vision of what the, they think the coach can do in that long term. Uh, I don't know. We haven't had that reckoning yet. And I don't know when that's happening. I don't know if it's going to happen. It might just be like we kind of muddle around until the contracts are up for certain people in the club and then that's it. Uh, or it might be firings. I don't know, but it does feel like, I don't know. Uh, things are, <laughs> look at our form. Matt, Matt read the form. It's not just the LAFC game. This is just, that was just like the biggest reminder and such a stark reminder of like where we're at versus the best in the league. And so, it's a pretty big gap. I don't want to get too far into the next segment, uh, because we're not there yet, but maybe we are. I don't know. Um, the, anyway, why must we suffer or <laughs> Seattle? Oh, okay. Um, but I think we must suffer because we clearly did something wrong in a past life. <laughs> yeah. um, so we have earned six points from our last eight games. And that's something I like to keep track of to try to understand like general themes in the league. And you can see the ups and downs. You can see that New York city was extremely good for a while. Now they're back to pretty good. You can see the LAFC has been like started off good, dipped a little bit, not a lot, down to like 1.5 game, you know, points per game. And they're back up, you know, at a really good point. Um, you can see that Austin took a little dip and is back up. Uh, but our form is one all over the place, uh, up and down and up and down. Um, but if we earn less than six points from this next, so it's always a rolling eight game. So the next, the next set, which, you know, Seattle is the game that will be the most recent. The furthest back will be the three, two loss to Minnesota. Yeah. If we earn fewer, if, if we lose in that game, we will have earned five points from an eight game period for the first time since at least 2012. <laughs> and I think it's okay to be upset with a historically bad form. Yeah, well, right? Matt, we played. I mean, we played Gareth Bale. Like, you can't keep that mad because Gareth Bale. <laughs> the Gareth and the last week we played, played Jesus soccer. Herrera, and then the week before we played uh, Darlington Nagby. <laughs> Wait, I don't know. No, the week before we won. Oh, we, that's right. Yeah, but but then the, there's a lot to be unhappy yeah. about with this, and like it's in the future might be bright, but we're not there, and I'm not going to be happy about a potential future when we have a present we can like explore and think about and maybe that's a fault of ours as a podcast that we want to talk about what's happening now and not what might happen yeah. and yes we're in a better situation than we were under Deloy Hansen presumably and I think that's that's very likely the case that we're in a better situation but we've got to see it yeah and we can't just fly on like well we beat New England in that weird snow game and we beat Seattle in that snow game and we made it to the playoffs and then didn't have a shot against Seattle and won. 
Like, if you want to compare this team today to the team under Deloitte, like there are definitely things that are night and day difference and, and like went from awful things to great things. And a lot almost, of those are off the field, right? N- almost none of those have to do with the play on the field. Yeah. Pretty much as far as the roster construction goes, as far as the play goes, the coaching, the, you know, the results is this is still a Deloitte Hansen managed yeah. team. We've still got a strategy. It feels the exact same. We've still got the cheapest coach available. We've still got likely, we don't know that, but probably <laughs> the cheapest coach available. We've still got a very, very cheap um, roster, relatively speaking. And we, we don't have good DPs. Sergio Cordova is one of our DPs. Demir's a, a DP guy. who's a good who's good but like injured like we're we're not spending on players we're not spending on coaches we're not winning games we're not playing this- an attractive style of soccer we we don't seem to have a cohesive plan the thing that we talk about the most when it comes to this team the thing that's the easiest to understand and talk about is the coaches press conferences which is historically been the case we, we talked about Petkey and we talked about Kassar mostly from what they said and did in press conferences like because what they did on the field was either incomprehensible or not really valuable or whatever kind of boring did, in the case boring. of Kazan. yeah it's just it's very frustrating like you you were talking about like long-term plans like this team needs a five-year plan it doesn't have a five-year plan it this might team, but we don't what know is it, it? <laughs> If it's the, feasible that one exists somewhere, <laughs> it's feasible that one exists, but we would like, I would like to see some actioning towards a five-year plan and there is no actioning towards a five-year plan currently. Yeah. Elliot, I really, like all, I said, when, when we were talking about the, these transfer windows signings yeah. looking, they're planning to next season. Yeah. And I feel like this coming off season, like that window was basically just, excuse me, just a sign saying that, we're not worried about this season. All of our plans are going to start being actioned at the beginning of next season, which is concerning because that's what we were told as soon as a new ownership come in, like, Oh, now we're going to see differences. And then we were told, Oh, well, the ownership needs time. So wait for the summer window. And then we're going to see it running soccer clubs. I mean, to be fair. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just, it's so frustrating to like clearly see the problems and clearly not see anything being done about it and being told, well, we'll wait. We'll, you wait until the next opportunity for change to happen. And we waited and nothing happened. And the LAFC game was just a reminder that nothing happened. This yeah. is who we are. And like, they, it stinks and it sucks. And like, that's, it's fair to be frustrated about that. Yeah. Uh, I do think one thing to point out is Elliot Fall has talked about how there is a long-term plan and I'm certain he has Ooh. a long-term plan. Um, but part of that long-term plan is playing, like playing academy players, and yes, we should absolutely play the academy players that are on the senior roster that have been playing for a long time. That's not a new thing. We it would be very strange of us to just start trading them away uh, willy-nilly. Like, obviously, keep that strategy. That's a that's working, right? Playing Justin Glad is working. Aaron Herrera, generally speaking, is working. Uh, but our other our crop of young, like academy players beyond that, if we're thinking long term with them, you're talking a decade, yeah. Right? Well, and 
I mean, that yeah, works, that's fantastic, right? That's, if we've got Axel right. K at twenty four, uh, scoring uh, Axel Kai. I'm sorry, he went back to Axel Kai. If we got Axel Kai scoring goals at twenty four and the leading goal scorer in the league, awesome. I would love that. Right, but, but that's, that's a long way away. That's ten years out. I'm not so going to expect that. No one should expect that. That would be a very weird thing to expect. Well, it's fine. Like I said, it's fine if that's your 10-year plan. If your 10-year yeah. plan is to have Jude Wellings and Christian Neidegger and Axel leading this team, you know, and Gavin Beavers being our goalkeeper, like, that's great. That's a good 10-year plan. But what are you going to do for years one through nine Where so we're still here in 10 years? Yeah. And, and also for every team that is so good at developing players like that, and I'd say that we have obviously have some good developed players. Uh, that's never exclusively the plan also for the first team. Like a big chunk of those things also include <clears throat> selling some of these players you developed. That may mean that they never play for the first team for first team and they're just too good of a prospect and they move elsewhere first. So even if your long term strategy is to develop players, uh, you also have to have a strategy of signing players and every good team in the world does that yeah does I mean, those two things you've got together. like maybe one exception or two exceptions in the last 30 years right or yeah 30 years so you've got what the 92 class in manchester united yeah truly like incredible team as much as it pains me to think about that yeah uh and then you've got barcelona from like 2000 to 2010 before yeah. everything fell apart mm -hmm. and it's been i've been secretly delighting in all the chaos there but even like those teams at their peaks, you know, like th th when when the first team had all these like academy prospects playing for the first team and playing at like the best, you know, world class football, they still had signings that yeah. filled in the gaps, you know, yeah, they so still went out and they still had money on for a lot of really good players, Barcelona. So, oh. yeah, <laughs> I love that guy. yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. So, again, like I, I'm starting to think. My the op the most optimistic reading on all of this for me is that is th what Doyle said where and I think Doyle's implying that the people that are both in charge of the club day to day front office et cetera as far as like the actual soccer stuff goes not like not the marketing or whatever I don't know if that's considered front office I don't know I think it's I think it's very feasible that they uh, aren't that ownership might not have them in the long-term plans. And that's just like what it is. And I think that's to be expected when new, you know, ownership takes control and wants to go to a different direction. That's pretty standard for sports teams. So, um, it'd almost be weirder if they, a new ownership came in and they kept everything the, the same front office wise, but I don't know, unless, you know, there, there's also the, the, the most pessimistic reading I think is that, the club is okay with the status quo or the ownership is okay with the status quo, which uh, we could be facing a historically bad run. We are facing a historically bad run of form going into this weekend. And we could solidify that historically bad run of form over the next, is it, is it just this game or is it the next two games? Just this game. Uh, it's Seattle. And then we play Vancouver. And then after that, it gets pretty rough. We have the chance to make, to have a historically bad run of form solidified uh this this weekend playing away at seattle is what yeah. it's coming down to yeah so we've been historically very good yeah well i mean we did win that game without shooting 
You're right. The one time we did something good in Seattle. Oh, I've been to Seattle so many times to see a game, and we're just always bad. And it's been bad for a decade, and that's yeah. why. Because we had some really good playoff moments in Seattle. Uh, that's true. Did we? I, I know we, we did, did against play. them in the two-leg format, but away at Seattle, did we ever have really good ones at Seattle? I mean, it's been a while. It's been a while. I remember. But to be fair, it's been a while for a lot of good moments for this team. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no matter um, where we're talking about, but no. Yeah. After Vancouver, it's Dallas, Minnesota, LAFC again, DC United, Austin, Cincinnati, LA Galaxy, and Portland. That's a lot of really good teams. <laughs> Luckily, LA Galaxy is really a lot bad. of playoff teams. That's a lot of playoff teams. I think uh, Vancouver and LA are the only teams that ooh. are not in a playoff position at this moment. LA Galaxy has also been really bad lately, uh, for whatever that's worth. So, oh well, that's hopefully by the time we face them, they'll still be really bad. Are they still yeah, be in a playoff position? They are, but not by far. Well, is ninth in playoff? Is no, that the playing game? It's they seven. are three points behind Portland, who's in seventh right now. They're four points behind they us. Four points behind fifth. RSL, which tells you how close RSL is to being out of the playoffs. Yeah, it's. Yeah, Vancouver and LA are the only two of those teams who are not. Oh no, DC United. Sorry, is also the worst team in the history of the world. Um, well, at least Pablo Mastroeni hasn't lost two consecutive games as RSL coach yet. Oh yeah, that means he's fit for the future. He's our ten-year plan. <sighs> Although that can't be true. We lost two. We lost consecutive games late last year. So maybe just twenty twenty-one. Only once has it happened. And Did once it, it kind of happened, but he came in halfway through that set of two losses. Oh, yeah. So that doesn't count. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So yeah, uh, lost to New York and then lost to Northern Colorado back to back. Which is still yeah. like the highlight of the season for me. Like losing 4-1 to LAFC, like that's embarrassing and that sucks a lot at home. But <laughs> losing 6-0. Yeah, and then losing to Northern Colorado, like yeah. four days later. Yeah, just peak really, really bad times. So, one yeah. other reason I think we should feel bad about this: it's only the second time that LAFC has scored four games, four goals in a game this year. <laughs> like, could you say like that we mitigated? Beating. Wait, what did Paula say? We mitigated their chances, or whatever? yeah, yeah, we mitigated. We we Which really we mitigated out. them to tie their season's best goal scoring game. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. They could have scored eight. Listen, man, I we've talked a lot about the stuff that Pablo says, and sometimes it feels like it's just words that don't necessarily contain any meaning. Which is, I think we kind of chalked the Johnny Menendez. I didn't know what position he yeah. preferred thing up to because, like, there's no way that's true. Sometimes it's just really exhausting to hear <laughs> game after game this type of thing. Um, sometimes I mean, like we talked about it on Thursday, but like the Jeff Kassar the flip side of this was just like the pathetic like weepy almost and this is just kind of like like are we watching the same game yeah it's never i mean in in pablo's press conferences it rarely has gone wrong for his guys yeah no it that's the thing like it's very funny to me going back to kasar and petke and pablo like press conference like tendencies Kassar would always like accept responsibility himself. It was always his fault. Yeah. They lost. He didn't get the boys set up properly. And then for <laughs> Petkey, it was always like somebody else or something else. The ref. Yeah. It was the ref or it was the, you know, whatever. Same yeah. Was, we got something else. And for Pablo, it's always the players. 
Yeah. He always throws players under the bus. Oh, they weren't, they didn't give enough effort or they, their heart wasn't in it or, you know, yeah, what's very funny, but it's just got players also. It's also something that is completely absolved of any type of like tactical setup. Like the players like weren't used to this system or like they, they weren't used to, you know, they weren't used to this role. We, yeah exactly it's never that anything we, that can go back to him it's never that it's always like they weren't it's always like this mystical thing that they it's either the effort or like they didn't have the right mindset or they didn't it's like or the little moments like we didn't have the right focus or con- didn't they didn't score have the- when they were up 2-1 against <laughs> us in our stadium yeah yeah oh. it's really interesting that I, it is funny comparing all the different and I don't at this point, Jason feels like such a like a lifetime ago. But yeah, um, the Jeff Petke. And then I don't did Freddie ever actually speak after games? I don't think it's been confirmed that he actually gave ever one. Pre- we'll one to check the archives, but, he got increasingly yeah. upset in. He just seemed annoyed that he ever had to do. It. <laughs> yeah, he, he very much just <laughs> like avoided it as much as possible. And then at the end, when he finally started like providing answers that were fun, he was just getting mad at being asked questions. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did, you, did he? He got really mad at Lucas that one time, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. That was that. Oh, that, that was, was the awesome. famous. That's like, I, if you only knew more about soccer, you wouldn't be asking that question. That, that's like when we knew that he wasn't like really. I don't know if we ever thought he was cut out for the head coaching gig, but that's when we knew for sure this guy doesn't want to be here. <laughs> like, yeah. He. This is something like he shouldn't be in front of a microphone like almost ever, unless it's to like say the starting lineup or whatever. So that's something that like. Because I played football manager for like a minute back in the day. In football manager, you could just be like, send the assistant out for the press conference instead of like you asking questions. Yeah. Why don't like MLS coaches do that more often? Are they just not allowed? I feel like they should. There should be. He might not be allowed. Trade when he was interim. He and uh, oh somebody else. I I feel like there should be coaches or somebody at the club should like recognize that pablo is bad at ask, answering questions and they should be like tell you what just have somebody else do it <laughs> okay i'm gonna yeah, i don't know anyway. let's wrap up with a preview of the seattle game um i'm gonna post in slack and i'll tweet this later a little shot is very funny to me of how seattle and rsl have been earning points over time did i include the legend in that I didn't, sorry. No, you didn't. I just see a graph of two lines. RSL is the higher line. So I'm going to do that again. Drag, enter. Wrong enter. There we go. There. There you go. I know that these lines are not the same, but they look kind of the same. What am I looking at here? Almost identical. That's so weird. Yeah. Is this over the course of the season? Over the course. And it flattens out where... Yeah, just 22... Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah. That's we've like been we followed almost the exact same trajectory. Yeah. Like I've been why is that? <laughs> I honestly think it's just like I no, I don't know why. Um I think Seattle clearly is a team that's like better than they've shown all season and I don't think that's I mean, they literally won the Champions League. You get any team yeah. that's coming off of a Champions League win in MLS it's like you kind of you kind of did the thing already. Yeah, like <laughs> whatever sins you have of the MLS regular season are all washed away by winning that. You don't with as many MLS cups as they've won in the last like five years or six years, which I think is have they won two or three? I don't know. I think they've yeah. won 
two and been to like four, something like that. It's like they've been in way too many over the last they like eight won years. like six open cups in the last nine years. So for that and then to and then to win Champions League, it's like it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that is really funny that we've we've had like almost the same trajectory this season, week to week. What about their last couple of uh, maybe no? Because I'm expecting them to like at some point just start winning games. Yeah, yeah, me too. I hope that's and not this weekend. They've got kind of an easy schedule the next couple of games, including us. It's us and then LA <laughs> and then Portland, which are three teams close to the bottom or out of the playoff race. Yeah. And then Orlando, and I don't remember where they are, but it's Orlando and then Houston. Okay, so MLS, uh, Seattle appeared in the MLS Cup 2016, 2017, 2019, and 2020. They won in 2016 and 2019. Oh, so I nailed uh, it. They won two and appeared in four. Yeah, they won two, appeared in four since 2016. So, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and then they they finish the season. They play then they play Austin after Houston, which is a good team. They finish the season against Vancouver, Cincinnati, who's currently in a playoff position, Sporting, and then San Jose. Like they've yeah. got a walk in the park to finish the season compared to us. So, like, yeah, incredibly realistic that Seattle ends in a playoff position and Salt Lake does not. And Seattle, like, they just need to get to the playoffs. That's. Yep. Um, open Cup. League. Once they get in the playoffs, they can do whatever they want. Seattle won the Open Cup in 2014. Oh, I remember that. Uh, and then they won it in, like, 2011 and 2010 uh, and 20, 2009. <laughs> Okay, um, so they, they, they had they, they several years it. in a row where they won it in a row, and then I think they went to yeah. the final twice and lost. They have, yeah, they have four Open Cup wins, okay. um, and then they've been runner-up once as well. Okay. Um, anyway. The Bethlehem is- Steel have also won it five times, and Maccabee Los Angeles has also won it five times, although their last win did come in 1981. So More recent than I thought. <laughs> Because Bethlehem Steel won their last one, I think, in like the 40s, because they haven't been a team for like 90 years. Yeah. All right. Well, well that's not true. They're they're a team, and they the team currently like claims their history, but like yeah, their Philadelphia Union's feeder club, or they used to be, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So There's we've got just there. under a month until the Mexican transfer window opens or closes, rather. Uh, oh, so we oh. could still lose uh, Rubin because that was rumored to yeah. be a thing that might happen. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going back through my tweets to see when Aaron Herrera talked about um, how they could have gone top of the table. Oh, we should also mention that it's likely that Aaron Herrera is, uh, I can't remember, I don't know if this was announced officially, but it seems like he's definitely going to be going to Guatemala's national team here pretty soon. So He'll be filing a switch after getting his Guatemalan passport, which, yeah, we've talked about, but I don't know. I don't know if I, I, I thought I it was like done the record that was been made official like a month ago, but I guess that was just when the rumor started that he was thinking about doing it. seems like, yeah, there was another something that came up. I can't, that probably wasn't public, but whatever, it's probably gonna happen. Um, but yeah, anyway, so Seattle Sunday. Yeah. Pretty excited. Sunday, one of our rare Sunday games, but is it Sunday or is it Saturday? It's Sunday. Sunday. I think we're the only game that Sunday, maybe. Cool. I can't wait for regular schedules gonna be nice yeah yep next year you mean yeah yep yeah all right well i can't figure out where aaron herrera said that but 
did see some great tacos in my feed. That there you are Kyle. two right. games on Sunday. It's Nashville, Minnesota, and then Seattle, Salt Lake. <sighs> well, um, <laughs> so no new signings to hopefully play this week. Uh, it's going to be a rough one, maybe. It, it might not be. They, you know, Seattle's had a weird year. This might be a good opportunity for us to steal some points on the road. So <laughs> that'd be great. I would love that. I would could, love could that. Be, yeah. It could be a good opportunity. Yeah. All right. Well, um, before we leave, I, I just want to bring up so one bad. thing yes. and then we can't talk about it anymore because I'm okay. just bringing it up to talk about how we haven't talked about it and I win. That's what happens. Oh, is it Quayer? It's Quayer. He wasn't in the uh, news and we didn't mm, talk about it. So. Hold on, okay. Hold on. Well, wait, check, nope, check the nope, nope, nope. I already said. We all agree. Uh, I pointed out when we talked about news and rumors, I said there's something that's not there that we're going to talk about later. And it's yeah. us talking about not talking about it. We didn't talk I, about Koyar. After our signings, I'm trying to going, turn off the recording. KY. I mean, Ojeda is, uh, Pablo said Ojeda is, is a box to box and not a six. Um, so Pablo, I'm not trusting a word Pablo says. He was saying, what's his face? Had good arms. Well, that's true. So, like, he's probably I'm sure he strong. does, but like, probably very handsome. If that is what Pablo's ability to scout players is, then like, I'm not going to trust Pablo. <laughs> yeah, said other things, right? I mean, yeah. uh, yes, but <laughs> I hope. I trust that Pablo like actually through. knows how to look at a player and like judge him. Yeah, as I, a player, but I, also I he's been the coach he, of this team for a year and a half, and maybe I haven't he was seen being it. Funny. <laughs> Wow. Maybe Pablo's yeah. a big jokester. He just likes to tell jokes every now and then. Yeah, maybe. Which explains all of his press conferences. I got to finish reading this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so maybe I'll do that the rest I of the time. I was holding up the Nidham Onwoha um, book. That's what he's yeah. talking about. Kicking back. Man loves kicking back. It's like his whole thing. It's all yeah. brand. Yeah. Well, should we call it? Yeah, let's well, call we've it. Done we hit it. two hours. We hit two hours. You <laughs> wasted another two hours of a fine day. We had a lovely two hours together. I, I had a great time. I wouldn't I do just, this if it wasn't fun, Trevor. I was just doing a click and clack callback. Uh, sure. Uh, right. Do you guys ever listen to Car Talk growing up? Is I that did, just yeah, me? I love it. It was just talk. you. Yeah, well, we've gone and done it. We wasted another two hours. <laughs> I love it. That's how All they right. close their show every single week. I'm going to hit stop now. Say goodnight. All right, good night. Good night. Bye. Good night, guys. Good night, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>